To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Well, welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers podcast, episode 91. The Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to do what we do best, and that's talk sports. We got the original cast here, as always. The voice you're hearing right now is Rob. We got Los in here. We got Ramon, as always, in here. I missed you, fellas. Man, how y'all dudes doing, man? It's been a week, a week too long, man. Yeah, doing good. You know, last episode, the numbers, we was able to get an NFL draft prospect on here. We're about to talk some draft today. I'm excited, man. I'm rocking with y'all. As always, let's do it. Yeah, man. Same here. Like you said, we had just a little bit of a break, man. So I'm definitely itching to get into it, man. I'm definitely ready to get rolling. We got a lot of good topics. Um, I know it's going to be some good stuff for the listeners. And so I'm ready to just get with it, bro. Let's go. Let's roll. Man, I tell you what, man. We appreciate Zach von Rosenberg. NFL prospect. We wish him all the luck in the upcoming NFL draft for spending some time with us. If you missed that one, that's episode 90. Uh, you could just go wherever you listen to your podcast at and go check that episode out, man. He shared some insight on what it is to prepare for an NFL draft. Not only that, he even spoke on his teammates and what he think they are falling and where they fit in in the NFL Man, it's a really, really good interview. It's it's one of our best ones, and and you know we we steady we're, we're continuing to really up the bars what we describe as a as the best episode. But that's really a, one of my favorites, man. And I, I think I appreciate Zach. Salute to him again, Zach von Rosenberg, punter from LSU, former punter for LSU, uh, NFL draft prospect. We was able to spend some time with him and interview him. Go ahead and check that episode out. If you're a fan of the NFL and the draft process, I promise you that episode will not disappoint. While you're here, I'm just going to plug us in. Make sure that you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Instagram and on Twitter, where you'll find content that we constantly try to drop. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. And if you haven't already, go ahead and leave a review. If you enjoy this, Share the love, show us some love, get a, get our name out there, share our name with others, let them know that there's a new sports podcast that you love to listen to, man, and we will not disappoint, we'll keep delivering this. Like Carlos mentioned, NFL is popping with the NFL draft upcoming, but first we have to start off with some somber news as it was released, breaking news that Carlos, one of Carlos's favorite players, am I right, Los? That's one of your favorite players in the NFL, right? You are correct. Aaron Donald, defensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams, has found himself tied up in some sort of trouble. It's being reported that on April 11th, he was involved in some type of altercation. Details are steadily flowing and steady, steady coming out. So I'm only speaking to what's been released so far, but what we know so far is that he was involved in an altercation where uh, uh, the victim uh, released pictures of his injuries. We're not gonna spread that around. If you wanna do it, just Google it, you'll find it. Uh, Looked like he was pretty brutally beaten. We don't know the circumstances around the altercation. We just know that the altercation happened. And reportedly what we're seeing is that reports are saying that the guy admitted in the hospital that he did throw a bottle of liquor at Aaron Donald. We do know that it took place at an after-hour spot or club in Pittsburgh, which we know that Aaron Donald was the man in Pittsburgh, graduating from University of Pitt. And, you know, we know he's a three-time NFL defensive player of the year, uh, 
He gets all pro every year. He's a superstar for the LA Rams and pretty much in my opinion, probably a top three player in the NFL, regardless of position. Uh, this is huge news. Details are still pouring out. I just want to kind of get you guys feelings about the altercation. I know we can't speak on it in depth too much because we don't really know much at this point uh, other than what I said and what is being reported. But uh, it seems like uh, they're saying that, you know, uh, criminal charges will be filed towards Aaron Donald, uh, at least assault. And uh, which is what they're saying is that if, they, if you have intent of bodily harm, uh, that could cause life-threatening injuries, then you will get that charge. But again, I'm not a lawyer. So, uh, you know, that's all what's being reported. But I just want uh, maybe Los, man, still kick us off, man. That's your guy. That's your team, Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, just talk about it. Yeah, no, it's just uh, he is one of our teams. He is a, a captain on our team, um, you know. But again, um, it's a lot to be – uh, to unfold with this, you know, it's probably going to be one of those situations that go to court, um, you know, and if he was truly defending himself, Aaron Donald, you know, just me watching him through the years from rookie year to now, um, he's never been a, a player that necessarily started stuff. He's always been a player that always finished stuff, you know, players, if somebody messed with him during a game, it's not because he started this because he felt like he was being done wrong or a cheap shot or something like that. And if the guy did admit to throwing a bottle at him, I can see Aaron Donald snapping and, you know, doing something. But again, it's been reported that it was just not Aaron Donald, it was others and his friends and probably whoever he was with that was also involved in this. So it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out if he does, in fact, get, um, you know, suspended, you know, or it plays out in court or what have you, some guy the guy gets some type of settlement or something like that. It'll be interesting to see how this all goes, but I expect it to, I'm hoping as a Rams fan to go away, you know, and not be something major where he gets a, a big suspension and hurt us this upcoming season. Uh, I guess I'll chime in, man. And I'm going to just chime in from a practical sense. Uh, you know, we talked off air on this. Honestly, I don't see any circumstance or situation where I'm ever trying to get in a situation with Aaron Donald. Uh, me personally, anytime I'm around Aaron Donald, like I told y'all, I'm de-escalating that situation. So yeah, let's talk about this. Definitely wouldn't be any bottles thrown, no side looks, no yeah. kind of stuff like that. It's all, sure. man, it's all good, bro. Like, you know, no, don't worry you know about saying? that. Like, like, yeah. Hey, so, Aaron Donner is a defensive tackle. You look up his weight. I don't have the weight offhand. Carlos probably knows his weight offhand, right? What is what, what is weight like? 285. 285. When I tell you he's 285 muscle, like it's it's not much fat there. 285 muscle. You know, I'm I, I, I I've seen what he done on the field. He make guys look like rag dolls out there. I'm not messing with him. Double teams don't do anything. I played the guy on Madden multiple times to me and low stay online on Madden. And I, I mean, it don't matter if I send two, it's a double team them and send a running back there. Some, some kind of way, Aaron Donald is going to be in Drew Brees' face on this game. So I, I'm out. I'm not going to do that. I, I wouldn't want any smoke with him, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a money grab and you'd be surprised at the things that people do for money. Um, and I think that ultimately this probably will end up in a settlement. I think that the guy, I mean, that's the reason why he wants attention. He, he don't care about the court system, but I think that Aaron Donald's the type, he got, he's loaded. He just signed a huge, huge contract two years ago. He's paid one of the highest paid. And I, I honestly feel like Aaron Donald, if you was to talk to him, I feel like it'll be money well spent for him because you're not going to try me. You're not going to disrespect me. And as a man, I understand that, um, I guess, you know, just I just hope that this thing is worked out, uh, worked out in, 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 in the most in the best way that it could work out or end up, you know, in that situation. But, you know, you know, uh, just, you know, prayers out to everyone, all the parties involved until more details come out. But anyway, we got some bigger news, man. Julian Edelman has apparently hung up the cleats, guys. I mean, it was reported yesterday that. You know, he's going to retire. Uh, I'm not quite clear on, you know, where this retirement is coming from, whether it was a contract dispute, whether it was a dispute with the Patriots. 
but apparently right now he will not be playing football uh, at in this upcoming 2021 season. Um, uh, I, Julian Edelman was a staple as a wide receiver for the Patriots. Uh, I think that he's one of those Patriots that uh, is amongst the, the historical players. You know, uh, he, he has a Super Bowl MVP under his belt. Um, he also, you know, uh, was Tom Brady's uh, safety blanket. I mean, Tom Brady knew that if Gronk was covered, if everybody was covered, that he could always depend on Julian Edelman to catch balls underneath. Uh, his career speaks for himself. I think that he's had a great career if he does call it quits, which I don't believe, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, but ultimately, Julian Edelman was the staple of a Patriot, of what it means to be a Patriot. He, of course, is no stranger to injuries. He's had a very injury-riddled season this past season. And just throughout his whole career, he, you know, he, he wasn't really um, available much, you know, um, towards the later, of, I guess, the past three years. Um, rather he's missing seven weeks out of a season. He's he's been very he's always on the injury. He always finds himself on the injury report, which we, you would expect as a smaller receiver. Um, I think that was a, a great point is that he was a quarterback and converted into a receiver. And I think that what is also um, kind of interesting is that you had the Wes Welker era there as a slot receiver. Then Julian Edelman took over that West, uh, West Walker role for the Patriots. Um, I mean, you spoke on him. I mean, he's a great player. I don't want to, you know, I, I, I spared y'all from having to speak on the that aspect of what he meant to New England, what he meant to the Patriots. But let's get down to the nitty gritty. Um, I've seen rumbling on Twitter that he may be in that Hall of Fame talk. Uh, he's in that hall of, you know, people are saying, does he deserve to be in the hall of fame or does he not? And I'm going to pose to you guys and look, I have no skin in the game. I'm just going to give you the work to give you uh, sort of his numbers. I mean, he had 7,000 yards, 7,000 yards receiving in his career. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's enough to say that he's a hall of famer, but I'm going to pose the question to you guys. Julian Edelman has hung up the cleats. Do you feel like he deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame? Um, I'll chime in. I do not believe that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. And I say it from this regard, um, just looking and, and researching all that and seeing some things even through Twitter and everything like that. Uh, Los and I actually have two guys um, kind of in, in, the, in the skin of this and, and Tory Holt on his end and my guy Reggie Wayne who are not Hall of Famers at this point who have been snubbed uh from getting into the Hall of Fame who were to me obviously more productive receivers than Julian Edelman I don't even find a way that you could really debate that you know you could look at some of the postseason success for Julian Edelman uh, but when you go from a numbers perspective or to me even just if you go from just a straight skill perspective I don't think that he compares to those two guys and so for him uh, to be looked at as potentially a Hall of Famer before those guys, I don't really see it. You know, if you compare him to Reggie Wayne and you go from a career perspective and you look at the fact that Reggie Wayne is 10th in receptions, Julian Edelman is down all the way at 75th. You know, if you look at yards, Reggie Wayne is 10th. You look at Julian Edelman, he also, he's all the way down at 156. And then, like, if you just compare, I know I won't take too much, you know, of speaking on Los's guy, Tory Holt, but just me being a fan of the game and watching Tory Holt, there's no way, shape, or form I'm taking Julian Edelman over him in any situation, in any game, in any circumstance. And so if he's still being snubbed at this point, I just can't see how you get make that case for Julian Edelman. So for me personally, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, all great points. You know, I think, you know, in the Twitter world, in the sports world, we do this thing where either this player sucks or this player is a Hall of Fame. It's okay to say Julian, Julian Edelman had a good career, a great career. And that's what he had. He had a good, great career. But that does not mean that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. I put Julian Edelman in that conversation more so of the guys kind of like a um, uh, – a, um, 
Bolden, Aquan Bolden. You. Yeah, and then I put him in the conversation of the guys like, as you mentioned, the Wells Welkers, right? Uh, you know, the, Am the Danny Amendolas, that safety blanket guy that did enough, that showed up here and showed up here and there in games. But again, those numbers were good here and there. They had a bunch of catches and stuff like that, but Hall of Fame numbers are different. And I think it's disrespectful for those guys that already have that jacket for us to do that just based on who he played with and how many championships he got with. That's not how that works. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not how it works uh, based on championships and things like that. It's more so on what type of numbers you did. I know that's as selfish as that sounds, but really, if you're going to be the Hall of Fame, it's not a team award. It's a player award or um, the ordeal for them to get it. So it's interesting. I, don't, I think he's a good, great player, more so good for me. I wouldn't say great. For me personally, um, you know, and I don't think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, sixty-eight hundred yards plus, you know, you know, thirty-six touchdowns, career touchdowns. He had an exceptional career. You know, he definitely did. Uh, when you consider that Super Bowl, where he had 11, 11 receptions, I think maybe two hundred. Mm, was it two hundred yards? That's when he got MVP. It was a, it was 10 receptions, 141 yards, and he got the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, I think he's had a remarkable career. He's had a hell of a ride. And, you know, not to mention he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. So, I mean, if you ask him, he's had a career that most players dream of, you know, and that's what Lowe said. Just because we're saying he's not a Hall of Famer, that's not discrediting the career that he's had. And I think that people get that misconstrued misconstrued and I think that you know I ultimately he was a great player he was he filled his role very good I think it's a it's a um a testament to coach Belichick and his greatness that he could carve out a role for a guy like Julian Edelman just like we say uh ultimately you know we say the West Welker role you know now you know we got Julian Edelman now we looking for the next guy I think Belichick can carve into that role so you know he was what he was and the next point I don't think he's done. I do think that probably about week eight of next year, he'll be saying that he's signing with the Buccaneers. No, I agree with you on that, bro. I was I was actually thinking the same thing. It to me seems that Gronk type of route, you know, you see how close Julian Edelman and Tom Brady are. I believe they're even closer, of course, than even Gronk and Tom Brady are. And Gronk said he wouldn't play for another QB and Julian gave it a shot for a season. But like you said, I think he'll step away from some for some time. He and Tom Brady will have some time to talk and you'll see him added to that roster and everybody, you know, will be kind of hating that they're making that move. But I think that's a good call out, bro. Honestly, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That, I, I know it's just like, man, I just hate to see it, man. You know, the Buccaneers basically re-signed everybody from that Super Bowl team. And then Bruce Arians lying and saying that nobody's on his team. Nobody's on this team is uh nobody is on nobody that is on this team is a starter. Get the get the heck out of here, man. Is it is that smoke? Nobody that's on this Super Bowl winning team is going to be a star of this shit. Yeah. 100% smoke. <laughs> I mean, we all know it's just coach speak right now at this point, but none of us buy that at all. Yeah, man. So now we might head on to the most exciting time of the year for us guys is the, the 2021 NFL draft, man. We got that coming up, man. April 29th. Can't get here soon enough. Plenty of stories going on. Plenty of movement. Nah, plenty of movement. I mean, there was a big trade that happened. Uh, San Francisco moved back into the top three. The Dolphins moved down to 12. That was huge. That's the big kind of honcho type, type deal that we're dealing with so far. The NFL draft, man, we talked about it last week. We talked, we talked with a prospect that's preparing for it. But now here we are. We're approaching that date. And we know what the listeners... So, the mock 2021, the OV mock 2021 draft. Let's get it, man. Everybody, just round-robin style. Carlos will start us off with the number one pick. I'm going to go 
And we're just going to go into pick 10 and see where we land, man. Let's talk about it. Let's get it. Yeah, so I'll kick this thing off. I think this has been a easy pick and been the pick for this team for about three years now. Yeah. <laughs> three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, we've been talking about this guy going number one since he's been a freshman, a true freshman at Clemson. So I'll take the Jacksonville Jaguars going with Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. Yeah, like you say, man, I mean, I think that he has been pretty much a generational type talent. You know, that's where he's pegged, probably one of the uh, most sought after, uh, probably sought after uh, prospect since Andrew Luck. And, you know, I mean, he's highly rated. Uh, His resume speaks for itself. I don't think he has many losses. Maybe he has, correct me on this for mine, I know this your your field, so I'm going to let you take over but i think he only had like three or four losses in his career right are you talking about college wise just in general because he went undefeated yeah so college wise he has about i think two losses as he was the starter and then i think he i don't think he lost yeah i think he only has uh, like two losses on it you think about a guy that's 21 and only lost two games as a starter in his career that just Kind of just talks about it, but the arm strength, the arm talent, the athleticism. I mean, he checks all of the boxes. He's been the NFL's been salivating on him for years to come. And I think he is what he is. I think one of the weak, I'm not gonna steal your thunder, Ramon. You get in here whenever you want, oh, but yeah. I think one of the weaknesses may be that he hasn't faced uh he he's played around great talent his whole career. Um, and with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't think he, you know, I think it's going to be a year or two before they are able to get the talent around him that he needs to succeed, offensive line included, running back included. Well, they got to run. I, I, mean, I believe in Robinson. Uh, but wide receiver-wise, you know, he's going to have to get better. But I think ultimately, yeah, he's the talent. Yeah, no, I agree 100% with what y'all said. This pick has already been decided. So, uh, it, it's no need for me to even go too much further, honestly, into Trevor Lawrence. We know what he is. We know the talent that he is, and we know that that's the obvious pick for Jacksonville. So I guess I can move us on to the Jets at that number two spot, right? Yeah, where we going, man? Where yeah, we going? so uh, with, the, with the number two pick, uh, this pick is one that I kind of wrestled with a little bit because I had to go between, okay, what do I personally feel – or, you know, what do I feel that the Jets, the direction that they're yeah. going to take? And so, honestly, with the direction that they're going to take, we'll see Zach Wilson be uh, the second player. I love Zach Wilson, yep. man. Yeah, and, and, and Zach Wilson, the thing about it that we can see is you see really all of the tools there. He's a guy that his arm talent is elite, um, not just from an arm strength perspective, but just – the way that he throws the different, you know, we're seeing that different style with Aaron Rodgers and seeing it with also Patrick Mahomes, the unconventional throws, the sidearm. He has a little bit of that to his game, but also, too, he's one that is not just stuck also in the pocket. He's a guy that can move around. He can buy time with his feet. One thing that I will say is that in seeing him, sometimes he does get out of the pocket a little bit too soon. So that's going to be interesting at the next level. Now, he may, with the New York Jets, I don't know if he's going to be running for his life. So it may be good that he has some mobility there. Uh, But he's a guy that really took off in his junior year. You saw his freshman year, some promise. The second year was a little bit up and down. But when you look at that junior year and you see that 33 touchdowns to three interceptions, that's outstanding. Over 73% completion percentage. Um, So he's a guy that took a real big leap in his junior year and he has, you know, a lot of great tools. And so I can see why the Jets will go in that direction. And that's who I have picked for that second pick. I I agree with you. I I saw one game. I think it was the, I think it was the Coastal Carolina game that they scheduled uh, because of COVID reasons that I think they had an open date or something. That was the first time me seeing him. And just based on the eye test, I, I I believe the hype, man. He's he's a he's an arm. T- he has a very very strong arm. Uh, he's very accurate. Uh, I, I like him as a QB. Uh, the Jets always go the unorthodox route because Justin Fields is still on the board. So I don't know if I like Zach Wilson better than Justin Fields, but yeah. I, I guess you know guys have relationships and you know it's all about politics. So I mean I think that you know ultimately he will land there and. 
we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think he'll have a better career than Sam Donald did. But, uh, I mean, yeah. so far. But, you know, uh, Sam Donald, you know, got, you know, traded away unexpectedly uh, But to the Carolina Panthers. But, I mean, I, I, I think that he, you know, the, the verdict's out. The verdict's out. I think that he will, you know, I think he has the tools. We'll see what uh, Coach Selah can do with him. Uh, and if he can, you know, surround him around the, the coaching and the development that he'll need uh, to be successful in this league. So we'll see. Yeah. You got, you got something on with Zach close? No. Okay. You never really was fond of Zach that, that much, even when he was coming out. I know, I already know that. All right. So the third pick that lands on me, the third pick is selected by the San Francisco 49ers who we, uh, graciously tied into Coach Shanahan. I, I've been going in between bef- between this with with this. I mean, they traded up into the third pick to take a quarterback, which we are assuming. Um, and I, I mean, I you know they they say that they will keep. Uh, well, I can't remember his name. Come on, Garoppolo. Yeah, Garoppolo. They will keep Jimmy G, which they're trying to create sort of like a, a Patrick Mahomes type situation where Patrick Mahomes was drafted. He sat behind Alex Smith for a year and then ultimately took over. And I think that's a great situation, great time to do that. I was going in between. I've been hearing rumblings about Mac Jones, but I'm going to go Jack, Justin uh, Fields here. Uh, I think Justin Fields is, is, a, is a freaking beast. Uh, I, you know, Ramon, I know you're going to touch on this, how he's been slipping on the board, but I mean, you got a guy here that's, you know, that's uh, superiorly athletic, uh, uh, runs a 4-4, four, 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 um, uh, maybe even possibly a 4-3. Uh, but I, I think he does run a 4-3, actually. Uh, I think he ran a 4-3 at the Pro Day. So so he ran he ran a 4-4. Four, four. He believes he has 4-3 speed, though, yeah. and he's still trying to shave it down. He's right there. It was the yeah, low, he's right low there. Four, yeah, he's close. Yeah. So – I mean, the guy can make throws on the field. He looked good. I think he had his second pro day today. Yeah. Uh, but uh, his first pro day, when I saw throwing dimes 50 yards on the run, like a flick of the wrist, he looks great. Um, I think the interesting tidbit here, why I think that they will ultimately go there, because Kyle Shanahan has some inside information, because Justin Fields' quarterback coach is John Beck. Well, John Beck was a backup quarterback for the Washington football team back in 2011, where Coach Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. So, of course, they have a great relationship. John Beck is on public, uh, has gone public and say that they talk all the time. So he spent three months with Justin Fields as a quarterback coach, but he spent time with Mac Jones as well as Trey Lance, which is another top prospect in the quarterback. So I think that, Ultimately, I think with the information that Kyle Shanahan is getting from John Beck, I think that they will go Justin Fields here. I mean, I think that it'll be a great, great uh, fit for him. Not only that, but I think with Justin Fields, the last time we saw him in the uh, CF, uh, the college football playoffs, he didn't look too well. He took a loss. Uh, he didn't. He of course he was playing injured. But, I mean, ultimately, that's a bad taste in his mouth for anybody. But I think, ultimately, I think the right decision here would be Justin Fields. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. And I think, uh, you know, it. I know right now the talk is possibly Mac Jones, you know, Mac Jones from Alabama. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they are serious about that at that spot. You know, we all, I think, we all think that Justin Fields is a better prospect, but, I think the, the, the conversation is Mac Jones fits Shanahan's system better right now because his throwing and the, the type of year that he had in that offense last year, they're envisioning him in that nine. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that and they have balls enough to take Mac Jones at that three spot um, after trading up in all those picks, which a lot of people thought Mac Jones was going to fall, but who knows in the NFL draft. But I like the pick. Yeah, that, that that's my main thing, like you were mentioning with the whole Mac Jones situation is that I, I always felt naturally that Mac Jones could very well be there at that 12 slot for them. So it's like for them to go up to three, I feel like to me, you, you got to take the best available prospect. 
And I just feel that Justin Fields is that guy. Honestly, like I said, wrestling with that number two pick um, is because me personally, I believe that Justin Fields is the second best quarterback on this board and has an argument up there, honestly, with Trevor Lawrence. You know, y'all know how much I follow recruiting. And for many years, it's been the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields battle when they won the high school level. Those were the two top prospects year after year. And then they get into college and they both showed their worth. And I just believe that Justin Fields offers so much. Like he has the strong arm. He has the mobility that you look for in this NFL at this point. He's shown that even in the big moments, you know, I know that the Bama game, they were overwhelmed with some of even the losses they had COVID wise. But even what he did in the head to head matchup with Trevor Lawrence that you mentioned, you know, he did that part of that game being hurt and throwing six touchdowns and absolutely lighting it up. And so he's the guy that I would truly peg at this spot, um, even with the rumblings of Mac Jones, even with that being very possible that they go Mac Jones. But if I were a GM, Justin Fields would be my guy. Yeah. And Mac Jones also works with John Beck. So, yeah. I mean, just, I, I know, guess Kyle you, I got an insight on that, too, you know. I guess just just quickly, just very quickly, like, why do y'all think he may be sliding down the board a little bit? Like, this has been kind of weird that we've seen for a long time. It's been kind of Trevor Lawrence, definitely number one. Justin Fields, probably two. And then, of course, Zach Wilson comes in and jumps over Justin Fields. And it's like, okay, well, Justin has to probably be guaranteed three. And we're continuing to see him fall to the point that on some draft boards, it's having him getting picked, you know, 10 and later. Um, and yeah. it's something that's a little confusing to me. And I don't know if y'all have a little bit that y'all want to share or maybe a little reason or what y'all think is going on or kind of uh, y'all's feelings about him slipping. I think the last time we've seen him on the field, uh, just how he looked, he didn't look too good. And like I mentioned, he was playing injured. But I think ultimately, you know, people go by what they've seen, uh, I guess, you know, I guess what they've seen the latest, you know, because even Trevor Lawrence, you know, when he faced that magical LSU season, uh, well, LSU just washed the rug with him. A lot of analysts was kind of, you know, very critical of Trevor Lawrence and his performance in that loss. But I mean, come on, it's the LSU Tigers. No one was beating them that year. You know, it, it was just a match made in heaven from the coaching to the players to the talent on the team. So I think a lot has to do with just his performance in the college playoffs this past year. I think a lot of people probably held a lot of weight on him getting washed like he did, uh, especially by Trevor Lawrence. So I think that that's, that's just I think that's what it is. It's just it's recency bias, like we we always say. Yeah, so I'll roll into the next pick. You know, the next pick on the clock is number four is the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so this is a pick where we can easily probably see it being traded, you know, on draft night. Um, you know, this is a prime position for one of those teams to trade up to get one of those quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, um, Trey Lance, you know. So, but I'm not going to go the quarterback route. I think Atlanta, um, you know, could very well take a quarterback too and for the future as, you know, obviously Matty Ice is getting older. But I'm going to go with the best prospect on the board with Kyle Pitts at four. Oh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I'll let Rob take the floor really on this one, because I know that we had some discussion, you know, kind of in the middle of the season where, you know, I was a little on the fence of if Kyle Pitts was definitely a bona fide top five pick. And I know you were tweeting, Rob, that he had shown you everything midseason that, hey, this guy is top five. So, so I'll let you, you know, take it away yeah. with everything you've seen from Kyle Pitts, man. Yeah, definitely top five in my book. He's been for a while, like you mentioned, halfway through the season. Uh, six five. He's six five, running a. I mean, I'm sorry. He's six six. No disrespect. Six six, two twenty, running a four four. Catch radius is off the charts. There's no catch he can't make. And I, like Lo said, I think it's an awesome pick for Atlanta because, of course, they have the outsides. Uh, hemmed up with Calvin Ridley. They got the other side, of course, with the future Hall of Famer, Famer Julio Jones on the other end, one of the probably the best receivers to ever play the game. And then to add a, a weapon like Kyle Pitts, I think that Matty Ice, he's getting older, but he has a lot left in the tank, like he proved 
4,000 yards for the past eight seasons. He's thrown for 4,000 4, yards. The guy has an arm. The guy is accurate. I mean, you, you give Matty Ice another weapon to further this team if you feel like you're a contender. You paid Matty Ice all his number. You reconstructed his uh, contract uh, for, two, I think he was owed still 21 mil. They spread that out over the next three years as a signing bonus. You paid the guy, get him some weapons, let's go. It's now is not the time to draft a quarterback that you're going to have sitting behind him for another year. And, of course, we know Atlanta has a lot of problems on defense and that secondary. Hopefully they can address that later in the draft. But I think at that point, Atlanta, like Lowe said, it's time for you to grab a weapon that can you can add a, pl- a plug-and-play that can expand you out on offense. Yeah. I don't have too much to add to that. Honestly, Kyle Pitts is a matchup nightmare. And at his position, that's the largest gap between the number one and number two prospect of any position. It's not even close to the tight end position. So uh, I definitely agree with that. So moving forward uh, into the fifth pick is where, you know, there may be a little bit of controversy (laughs) here. Uh, (laughs) I I believe that there is right now really kind of a 50-50 battle out there out of uh, Jamar Chase and out of Panay Sewell. And uh, Panay Sewell being the offensive tackle out of Oregon, uh, the highest you know prospect at that, out, at that offensive tackle position, and Jamar Chase being the number one receiver on the board. Honestly, for this pick, and it may seem a little biased to the listeners, but I'm going to go Jamar Chase at this pick. Um, <laughs> I believe that Cincinnati uh, will look at, of course, that pairing of Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow lighting it up in 2019 at LSU, where Jamar Chase was no doubt the number one receiver on only not only that team that featured Justin Jefferson, but also the best receiver in the nation, the Belitnikoff winner. Uh, Jamar Chase has no weaknesses in his game as a receiver, like excellent route runner. He can go up and get the 50-50 ball. He showed his speed with running the 4-3-8. A 4-3. Right, right. He's built, even as Zach was saying on the last podcast, he's built like a running back. So he's a guy that can go over the middle. And the thing about it is, too, while I do know that it is important for, obviously, the Bengals to build up that offensive line, this is a draft that is deep at offensive line. So I feel that there's opportunities in the second round and the third round and later rounds to build that out. But then also, too, you still have your number one pick from 2019 and Jonah Williams that you can have at that left tackle position. They did sign Riley Reef in the offseason that they can place him at that right tackle position. Now, I could see if they went Panay Sewell and they could move Riley Reef into a guard position. But you already have two guys that you can flank to the outside and you have several names um, even like your Alex Leatherwoods and um, different guys, Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson that are guys that will be around a little bit later that you can use to build out that line. You get a generational talent in Jamar Chase, who I believe is obviously the best receiver in this draft. You pair him with Joe Burrow. You are missing, you know, over 100 targets with A.J. Green leaving the team in the offseason. So you do have to replace that target count. You also have to, you know, replace what John Ross gave you, which I ain't going to say is like the most, obviously, but they have lost a little bit in the receiving. And when you have a talent like Jamar Chase, I think you need to go and get that guy. So at number five, Jamar Chase. The reunion, the reunion of championship brothers, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I like, I like it. So I guess that leaves me, right? It's on me. Um, so I, I like that a lot. Uh, the sixth pick, the Miami Dolphins, they find themselves in a, in a situation where they really don't know if two is going to be that guy. And um, being that Kyle Pitts is no longer there, they may be looking to, I don't know. I mean, I'm going, maybe I'm going out on a limb, but I, I think that maybe they may look at taking, uh, taking uh, Waddle, man. I think Jalen Waddle there. I think uh, uh, Jalen Waddle is, of course, the speedster. Uh, he runs a 4-3, 4-2, or maybe 4-2, close to that. But uh, uh, Jalen Waddle may be another weapon to help out, too, out there. Um, they Their best receiver was uh, – who was their best receiver? You talking about Alabama? 
Are you no, talking about the, the Dolphins? In, in Miami. Devontae Parker. Uh, Devontae Parker. Devontae yeah. Parker. So they had another weapon for Tua, yeah. maybe to get him going. Um, I think Jalen Waddle uh, a go at, uh, at that at that spot there. Imagine, imagine Will Fuller, uh, Fuller and Jalen Waddle flying out there together. That that's yeah, crazy. crazy. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm going, man. I'm going there. They're gonna have to help Tua. They're gonna have to nurture him. He's gonna have to have the weapons. They're gonna have to create the best situation yep. for him. And I think Jalen Waddle is probably one of the best weapons under Kyle Pitts on the board. Yeah, and I think also what people have to remember is that you know we know the great season that Devontae Smith had, and it's nothing to take away from Devontae Smith, but it's very arguable that Jalen Waddle was the number one guy there to start the season before yeah. he went down with that injury. And what you get in Jalen Waddle also, too, is a versatile um, prospect. Jalen Waddle can also, of course, be in the punt return game. He's electric. In the kick return game, he's electric. So you not only have a guy that is a dynamic receiver, is a dynamic playmaker, that, hey, if you get the ball in his hands within five yards, he can take something that's five yards and take it 65. You know, he is, I'm not going to say he's exactly this guy because um, nobody is exactly this guy, but there are some things that do remind me a little of Tyreek Hill mm -hmm. with his big playability sure. that's there. So um, so I do agree with you. And I think that some people would be surprised because they, they see Devontae Smith and they like, oh, he was the mm -hmm. Heisman guy. But honestly, I like Jalen Waddle more out of the two of those guys. But that's my personal. Well, opinion. we all know that that college talent don't always translate to professional uh, sports. And you know, in general, sometimes co college talent may you know you may have had a down year college career, but you get to the NFL and you just excel. And I think that every team is looking for that Tyreek Hill, same like the Raiders did. You know, they took another Bama receiver. Uh, they, I can't Ruggs. Henry yeah, Ruggs. It's like Henry Ruggs. You know, everybody's looking for that Tyreek Hill because they know what type of weapon he could be on the defensive end, on the on the offensive end, and what kind of threat he can pose to the defense. Yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll take the next pick with the um, Lions. I'm kind of upset a little bit because I was hoping my boy Wilder will be there, and then obviously Pitts <laughs> went. You know. Obviously, with this new offense, Jerry Goff coming in, he needs weapons now, and they lost with Kenny Galladay. You got to uh, take care of your brother, man, your old brother, man. Don't keep prepared. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go ahead. The guy we were just talking about, I'll give him a speed option there and add uh, that Devontae Smith there, the um, oh. Heisman winner. And I, I think that'll be a good piece to add there. They already got TJ Hawkinson. They got into got in the draft last year. And then you add a speed option, kind of building those weapons. They also brought, brought in Jamal Williams um, over there to run, you know, pair with uh, DeAndre Swift. So it'll be really interesting to get them a speed option out there. Somebody um, Jerry Goff can throw the ball out to. So I like him as a Heisman. I got a uh, back-to-back Bama boys going. I like that. I like that pick. I, I definitely agree with that. And, and we know, like you mentioned, Devontae Smith is an outstanding talent. Us saying Waddle over Smith is really no knock on Devontae Smith. He's excellent premier talent, so I can definitely see him going um, at that spot. Um, so I guess it, it's And then y'all didn't mention that the, the Lions lost a, 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 their best receiver well, uh, in yeah, free edges. Yeah, Lowe's mentioned it. He mentioned the, the, oh, two weapons bad, that they, the two weapons that they lost over I, there. Yeah. I ain't paying attention. So, <laughs> so they, they definitely do need a, a guy like Devontae Smith. And I think that's instant production. All those top receiving options, those really top four receiving options, because you throw Kyle Pitts right in there. To me, all those guys are elite talent. So uh, I think that's a great pick. Uh, so on to the eighth pick for the Carolina Panthers. I think right here, there will honestly be a little bit of intrigue there with Trey Lance still sitting out there. Um, I do feel that Carolina still may consider, I believe, if Justin Fields were the one that was still there, they would definitely go in that direction. But I still believe that when you have this type of prospect on the board, they did go ahead and get Sam Darnold. So I do believe that their QB position could be a little bit more solidified. I still believe in the talent that he has. And so I believe that you want to protect that quarterback in uh sam donald and so right here at the eighth slot is where i'm going to go panay sewell um panay sewell has the opportunity to be a generational talent 
at that left tackle position or if you decided you wanted to flank him right tackle to wherever you want to do. But uh, he's a generational type talent. Uh, he did opt out of the 2020 season. So the last that we saw of him was in 2019. But he was just completely dominant. Uh, not only does he have the measurables, but even his agility that he has on the edge. He's just a guy. He's not really going to give up sacks. He's going to protect um, Sam Darnold or whoever they elect to be the starter there. And the thing about it is he's really, as far as my big board goes, my rankings goes, he's a top five prospect. So to get a top five talent at that number eight position, I think would be excellent value for the Carolina Panthers. I like it, man. I like that a lot. You know, if you get a quarterback, you got to protect them. So that's one of the huge things. Uh, I think that's what the dilemma is with the Cincinnati Bengals, because do you reunite you know, Jamar in the special type of connection that they had in that 2019 LSU season, or do you get him some protection? Because obviously he tore his ACL because of lack of protection. So, you know, that like you say, I mean, he's one of the most talented prospects in this draft. I think uh, Kyle Pitts, Waddle, uh, and the guy you just mentioned, those are my, like, maybe top three talents in this draft, just pure talents. Uh, oh, you didn't say Jamar Chase? I mean, Jamar Chase, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying, it's not every day that you get a Kyle Pitts. It's not every day that you get, uh, you know, office, a left tackle like like him. It's not every day that, you know, like. That's I don't think I'm, it's every day. I, and maybe I'm biased, but I don't think it's every day that you get a Jamar Chase, man. Jamar Chase is a freak of nature. Like, I think that people may be a little bit sleep on that ability. Like, he's a matchup nightmare. You got to look at this from the standpoint of Trevon Diggs, went to Dallas and became their number one corner. A.J. Terrell went to the Atlanta Falcons and became their number one corner. When they faced that guy, Jamar Chase, in his sophomore season at LSU, he killed them. He destroyed both of them. And they both and several other corners have said that Jamar Chase is the best guy that they've seen. So maybe it's a little bit All of my right, homework Jamar pick Chase right there, the but Jamar Chase is right there with <laughs> any of those five. guys, I got man. top five. Add Jamar Chase to it, man. You convinced me. All right, so we're here. We're here at the Carolina Panthers. So it's on me, right? So we're here at the the, the Denver Broncos. For the Denver Broncos, I think that leaves Trey Lance. Uh, I do not believe that John Elway and those guys at the Broncos organization in that front office believe in Drew Locke. I think he's had plenty of time to prove that he could take that starting position, but I don't feel like they feel comfortable making him their franchise quarterback. Go ahead and get Trey Lance, who also has been working with John Beck, uh, who's an ultra talent. He showed out in his pro day. I mean, he's a he's a six four guy, two twenty, big quarterback, running a four four. He's extremely athletic and make all the NFL throws out of North Dakota State. I think that the Broncos have had him a quarterback for the future and a cornerstone for their franchise, which they haven't had in a while. It's since Peyton Manning. So what y'all got? What y'all think? No, I like it. I think it, it creates competition. Drew Locke needs that. Um, I know it's been talks about him working with Peyton Manning this offseason that they're trying to keep under wraps, but he needs somebody in there that's going to push him and let him know that, hey, this spot is not necessarily yours. He's shown flashes that he can be good. But, you know, he's also shown flashes that he can be trash. So uh, <laughs> I like this. I, I Flash like his, trash. <laughs> I, I like his uh, – I like the pick. Yeah, and I, I have nothing really essentially to add. I really like the pick. Trey Lance is an elite prospect, even from the simple standpoint. You look at his touchdown to interception ratio, 28 to zero. Like, that is insane. Still rushed for over 1,100 yards. Uh, his final season at North Dakota State, you know, before the opt-out and everything. So he's an elite talent. And um, definitely, if he's sitting there at that nine spot, you got to take him, man. You got to take him. All right. So that brings us to number 10. All right. So the cow, you got to do right by Dallas, man. Your people, some some big time Dallas Cowboys fans. So I mean, just looking at it, right? How this draft and how our draft, our mock draft, has shaken out. Um, you know, Dallas is a team that they have all the offensive weapons in the world, um, but they do need some help on the back end. They for years needed help at safety. Um, I'm going to go with Patrick Sertan out of Alabama, another Alabama. It's great pick. LSU. Fan to get these many Alabama players in the yeah. top 10. 
but they are they ultimately had a good team this year and I think he's the best cornerback on the board I think Farley could you know um, compete with that number one spot but his injuries has really his back injuries has pushed him down draft boards so I really think Patrick Sertan in Dallas as their future cornerback is a great get for them at number 10. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that uh, would be a home run pick. And I think that that's the surefire pick there. It solidifies, like you said, that back end. Uh, they already have Trevon Diggs that they got last year from Bama. So you reunite that secondary, those two corners with Trevon Diggs and, and Patrick Sertain. And Pat Sertain has been an elite guy for so many years. I even, of course, followed him on the recruiting trail. He's a guy that really was supposed to be an LSU Tiger that at the last second uh, decided to go to Bama and, and broke all LSU fans' hearts. So um, it's always been interesting seeing, but always knew he was an elite prospect, that he was going to be elite at the college level. And, I mean, his dad was a former NFL player, and so he's been conditioned from the time that he's been a kid um, at learning the position and being a true technician. And then with the size and the speed that he has at that position, he's going to be an elite prospect. And so getting a talent like that at 10 is, to me, a surefire and a home run pick for Dallas. Yeah, I'm sure Dallas fans will be elated to have some help in their secondary because the secondary was horrid last year. I don't really have the number on how many passing yards they gave up, but that secondary, everyone knew that if you had a fantasy wide receiver that was facing the Cowboys, you might want to slip them in that lineup because you just knew that they was going to have a big day. So I think that adding a guy like Pat Sertain to your line, to your team will definitely solidify them on the edge. I think it's something that's well overdue. Um, you know, I, I, I think kind of back, uh, Ramon, kind of like when they took uh, our guy uh, out of uh, LSU, at corner it didn't quite work out for him um mo claiborne yeah mo claiborne when they expected him they took him in the top 10 and he didn't quite turn out how they felt like he should have just because of injuries but i kind of think that it's just an opportunity again for them to sure up that that edge in that corner there um, at that position so i think it's an excellent pick i agree with los there um so we wrapped up the mock draft, man. Of course, we got a lot more draft coverage coming your way, but of course we can't fit that all in one episode. We probably would spend three, four hours past your attention span. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here and save some for next week with the draft coming up on the 29th. So we got 15 more days until draft day since we're, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, about 15 days, right? 15, 15 days, days, it's on the 29th. Okay, my math not off. I still got it now, but uh, yeah, so we got a couple more episodes just covering the draft. We'll get more in depth into these picks and to our favorite prospects and everything. We appreciate you for hanging around. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Make sure that you are following us on O underscore Benchwarmers. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Please leave a review if you can. Uh, just hit the stars if you can. Five stars if you can. If you don't feel like writing out a statement, but most importantly, making sure that word of mouth is very, very powerful. So make sure that you're sharing that with a friend. It's nothing more than just sharing that link that you listen to. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. And until next time, we out. Later.